This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Krista Martin, Chief Scientific Officer and Vice Dean for Research at Geisinger in Danville, Pennsylvania. Krista, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited um, and look forward to our discussion. Absolutely, as do I. I know you are so innovative there at Geisinger and there's so much going on in the healthcare space. It's really in need of a lot of that expertise. So I'm excited for our conversation, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, I'd be happy to uh, provide a little more information. Um, so as you stated, I'm currently the Chief Scientific Officer and Vice Dean for Research at Geisinger. Um, in that role, I'm responsible for the oversight and coordination of system-wide research initiatives uh, in our research, clinical, and education institutes. Um, I obtained my Bachelor of Science degree uh, in Developmental Biology and Genetics from Penn State University, and then after completed my PhD in Human Genetics at the University of Pittsburgh, um, I then did both a clinical and research postdoctoral fellowship in medical genetics in the Department of Human Genetics at the University of Chicago, um, which ultimately led to me being board certified as a clinical genetics laboratory director. Uh, I think I'm one of those rare birds, if you didn't hear the word genetics enough, that um, I found something I love from an early age, and I really stuck with it. Um, ever since interviewing for college, where I learned about clinical genetics for the first time, I knew that's what I wanted to do, and it's really provided such an exciting and rewarding career for me, uh, and that I still feel I learn something new every day. So um, after I completed my training, I was offered a position to stay on at the University of Chicago as a member of their research faculty and as director of the clinical cytogenetics laboratory there. Um, and I remained in Chicago for close to nine years before being recruited to Emory University's Department of Human Genetics uh, to lead a new initiative for clinical genetic testing there, as well as to continue my research in the genetics of neurodevelopmental disorders um, like autism. And it was during my time at Emory that my leadership role was expanded to operations director of the Emory Genetics Laboratory that included oversight of the cytogenetics, molecular genetics, and biochemical genetics laboratories. Um, I got to Geisinger about nine years ago, um, and I was recruited here as the founding director of our Autism and Developmental Medicine Institute, or ADMI. And ADMI was established as a center of excellence to really try and pair comprehensive multidisciplinary care for individuals with autism or other developmental disorders with cutting edge clinical research. Um, and since that time in 2013, we've really grown the ADMI team in, to include more than 80 faculty and staff and to serve over 9,000 patients and their families, um, really continuing to leverage research efforts to improve outcomes for our patients. We tried to build that program on a genetics-first approach to developmental medicine, where we incorporate genetic testing as one of the first steps in the care of our patients. That allows us to identify the cause of a patient's clinical concerns, and then research has allowed us to then tailor care based on that information. Um, it's really amazing to me when I think back that in the approximately 20 years since I've been involved in the clinical genetic, te genetic testing of this patient population, that the diagnostic yield for this type of testing has increased from us being able to just provide an answer to about 2 to 3% of our patients to now close to 40%. And that's all through technological advancements over the years and our ability to better identify genetic causes. And so at Geisinger, we really want to serve as a leader in this space um, to define the care models that others can follow. 
For example, while genetic testing for individuals with these conditions is recommended as a standard of care by many professional organizations like the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics, as well as the American Academy of Pediatrics, it is still the case that a minority of patients who have these clinical diagnoses are offered this testing as part of their routine clinical care. Um, so now to the current day, and in my role as Chief Scientific Officer, I've been in this role for just a little over a year now. I'm really proud to lead a talented team of more than 400 research faculty and staff members in our research institute, but I also provide support and coordination system-wide of our research in initiatives at Geisinger with both our clinical and educational partners um, with focus in areas such as precision health and genomics, data science, population health, health system science, and bioethics. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me why I left the more traditional academic setting after more than 20 years to come to Geisinger, um, and I truly saw it as an opportunity to grow my career, but also to flip the model for genetics and genomic healthcare by moving genetics out of the traditional, highly specialized genetics clinic into everyday healthcare. Um, and if we truly believe, which I do, of course, that genetics will touch most aspects of health and disease, we need to figure out a way to integrate genetic testing and information into routine care and provide broad access to individuals to guide their care and improve outcomes. Um, and finally, um, in thinking about my path, you know, in order to see these types of changes occur, it's really important for individuals to get involved with their professional societies or other national organizations to try to make a case for change. Um, and to that end, I've served on or chaired several committees within um, the American Society of Human Genetics, as well as the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics, the latter where I've also served as a member of their board of directors. And I also am currently a member of the National Academy's Roundtable on Genomics and Precision Health, where I serve on their steering group, as well as co-chair their adoption working group, that has a goal of understanding barriers and identifying solutions to adopting genomics as a tool for improved healthcare. Wow, that's amazing. It seems like, you know, you've had such a solid background in so many different areas and in a lot of different research and lab experience and then coming into your current role, um, you know, at, at Geisinger and having some really lofty goals, it seems like you are um, somebody who is just really looking at what you want to achieve and then what it takes to get there and being able to do it. So um, I, I think that's amazing and it really, it seems like patients are very much benefiting from the work you do. So what issues are spending most of your time on today? I know you've talked a lot about many different facets of healthcare, many different ways that um, healthcare it needs to be boosted up to provide better patient care. What is most important to you right now? Yeah, you know, in my relatively new role, I'm only a year in um, as Chief Scientific Officer, I'm really working to try and build Geisinger as a learning health system. So there was a lot of groundwork laid before me, um, but I, we have such an opportunity with our assets um, such as data and the, you know, our partnership with um, our Geisinger Health Plan that really other institutions don't have. And so I've been working to engage our researchers and our clinicians and our learners with a goal of using that data to learn from every patient so overall we can maximize better health for everybody. Um, a lot of people don't realize that research was actually, has been an integral part of Geisinger's history since our hospital was established more than 100 years ago now. Um, and we have so many unique attributes to leverage. Um, we've been using an electronic health record system since 1996, 
Um, so we have a lot of data um, that we can go back to for retrospective studies and to understand about health and disease. Um, that data includes clinical imaging, laboratory, as I said, claims data more recently. Um, and that's all being collected as part of routine care that we can leverage for some of our clinical research and other research that we do to really answer research questions related to healthcare. Um, in addition, you know, our patient population is what people sometimes refer to as being very sticky to our area. So they are born here, they live her other lives, or have their families here. Um, and so it really provides generations of families to study with unmatched longitudinal data in a mostly rural population. So lots of strengths to build upon from a clinical research perspective. And then layered onto these incredible assets is our MyCode Community Health Initiative. This is a clinical research program that's targeted to learn more about the genetics of health and disease. Um, and we recently hit a major milestone with this project, enrolling more than 300,000 of our consented patient participants, which is a huge deal for such an initiative. Um, and in addition to the patient's enrollment in our pro um, project, we now actually have DNA sequence information on more than 185,000 of our MyCode participants. This really makes our cohort the largest healthcare-based initiative of its kind with this information of paired DNA and healthcare data. Um, and we've recently started over the last few years returning any clinically relevant information back to our uh, patient participants related to risk for conditions like cancer or heart disease. Um, and to date, we've shared this type of information with just over 3,000 of our participants. Um, and of course, because these conditions are genetic, this information can actually be cascaded to other family members, which amplifies the healthcare impact for our patients, families, and the communities that we serve to an even larger number. Um, and one thing that I love to hear um, regarding this particular project and effort are just the stories that we hear from returning this information to our participants. They're really inspiring about how we can either get upstream of disease um, in these individuals before they ever um, exhibit symptoms um, or to try to um, learn from genetic diagnoses to either identify the disease earlier or treat it better. Um, I can give you one example of one of our recent participants um, where we found a change in one of his genes that can cause thyroid cancer. Um, this was a disease that both his mother and grandmother had battled um, that we learned about when we took his family history. Um, and having this new genetic information in hand, he was then able to thoroughly discuss his care options with his doctors and genetic counselor and ultimately decided to have his thyroid removed as a preventative measure. Um, and even though he was asymptomatic at the time and there was also no evidence of cancer from an earlier thyroid biopsy, um, upon removal of his thyroid, there was cancer detected. Um, so this, you know, allowed us to detect cancer early when it was still in the early stages, um, preventing him from getting more serious disease. Um, and again, because this is, um, was a genetic finding, this information also allowed his son to be tested, um, which showed that he also carried the same genetic change as his father, allowing him to use that information to, to tailor his health care as well. Um, and it's really stories like this that demonstrate how we can use genetics to provide anticipatory rather than reactionary care to keep patients healthy, um, rather than treating them after they develop a disease. 
Wow, that is amazing. You know, and what a great story in terms of what you're able to do with this information and, and really save lives. So that's awesome to hear and really encouraging for the future of medicine. Now, when you look into the, the near future here over the next two years or so, how are you thinking about growth and investments? Where do you really see um, the department and projects headed at Geisinger? Yeah, so research across Geisinger continues to grow. Um, actually, in 2021, we were awarded more than $53 million in external research and programmatic funding. This um, includes grants from the NIH and other federal agencies, as well as through industry partnerships, clinical trials, and other sources. Um, we've also been successful in sharing our findings with close to 1,000 publications from Geisinger in 2021, including many in top-tier journals like um, JAMA and Science. In the next two years, you know, we obviously want to continue that positive growth um, as a research at Geisinger through continued integration across our system, building our research on a shared culture of learning and discovery that can support the pursuit of clinical and educational excellence through both internal and external partnerships. Um, we also want to make sure the research we do is relevant. We want to make sure it's impactful to our patients, clinicians, and populations that we care for. So we want to make sure we identify things that are part of healthcare that we could do research on um, that can be used in a positive way. Um, we plan on increasing the reach and integration of research by making it easier and digitizing it into everyday care. So capturing data, you know, allowing patients to do surveys from whiteboards and in their rooms while they're in the hospital or from iPads while they're sitting in waiting rooms um, and allowing, as we learn more, rapid implementation to care. Um, and finally, you know, we really want research to continue to be embraced and elevated across our system. You can use research as a positive way to help recruit and retain the best talent and students. Um, we can attract patients to some of the clinical trials that we have, elevate our educational programs, and, of course, identify new collaborative opportunities, really all to improve our overall impact of our system. Absolutely. Wow, that, that sounds amazing. You know, it, it just really speaks to your focus and patient-centered drive within any kind of initiative, but especially in looking at what you can do to, um, you know, further the kinds of patient care that you need. Now, I really appreciate you talking through all of this. I, I think it's really inspiring to hear what you're working on and what you're doing. Um, just one more question for you before we wrap up our conversation. What are you most excited about right now? Well, there's certainly a lot to be excited about right now, Laura, um, and it, it's, it's um, hard to choose one, um, but I would think the, the top of my list is really increasing the use of precision health in patient care, um, and not only based on our DNA. I mean, obviously, I'm biased towards that, but there's a way to look at environment or behaviors such as exercise or eating patterns where we really have the opportunity to, to tailor care to the individual and across the lifespan rather than using you know, a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, several of our research teams um, at Geisinger have recently received new NIH grants and other grants in this space in areas such as cancer and heart disease, um, neurodevelopmental and psychiatric disorders. We've also received awards to help build the infrastructure that's needed and, and to develop tools to enable earlier diagnoses of diseases or better track health information for studies. Um, and many of these clinical research studies that we're talking about now and in the future are, are based on a population-based screening approach to really identify those patients at the highest risk for disease and then follow them more closely to guide care with, a, with an ultimate goal of improving health and outcomes. 
So really, overall, our hope is that by linking genomics and data science, population health, health services research, um, implementation science, and other key areas, our goal is really to turn evidence into practice and define the next generation of patient care based on individualized risk or resilience for disease. And then through our medical school and other training programs, we really want to teach the next generation of providers, how do you incorporate these new tools into your everyday care so that we can take better care of our patients? Absolutely. Thank you, Krista, so much for being here today and really having just such a delightful conversation. I really appreciate you and I hope you will able to jump on with us and follow up again soon. It was great. I enjoyed talking with you too, Laura. Thank you very much.